Welcome to the Meet Maastricht podcast. I'm Katrina and together with our resident local Lucy, we will be exploring some of the amazing stories that make Maastricht so special. So sit back, relax and join us as we learn about our favourite Dutch city. Welcome everybody to episode 7 of the Meet Maastricht podcast. Today is a very special episode because we have our first proper a uh, special guest for the upcoming Remembrance and Liberation Days uh, on the 4th and 5th of May. Uh, so here today we have Use Minis. How did I do? <laughs> that, that was... That was <laughs> so uh, I, indeed, I am Use Minis. I am curator of special collections of uh, South Ceramic, mm-hmm. the city library. And uh, I also work on the website Sichtop. Zicht op Maastricht, mm-hmm. and um, as a curator, I have to know a lot about the city and of the city's history. So that's that. I, I guess that's why you you you've invited me. Yeah. So are you from are you from Maastricht? Yes, I was born and raised there. Oh wow! As we say in Maastricht, gezogen en getogen. And what does that mean? <laughs> that means suckled and raised. Oh. Okay. <laughs> but it rhymes in Maastricht, so that's that's why it's... Yeah, it sounds slightly better in Dutch. <laughs> so, as I said, we're going to be talking about Rem- uh, Remembrance Day and the liberation of Maastricht, so in World War Two, mm-hmm. And we thought we'd start with what Maastricht was like just before liberation. So, can we talk a little bit about that, use? Yeah, so Maastricht just before liberation... Um, then you're talking about like from August 44. Mm-hmm. So that's when the Americans and the English and of course the Australians, I don't want to forget you, um, landed on uh, the beach of Normandy on the 6th of June with Operation Overlord and then very slowly they conquered Normandy, they conquered Brittany. The, the Germans had their antique wall there so it was very hard to break through it. Mm. But then all of a sudden it goes a lot faster and uh, by the 5th of September, the armies reach uh, the French-Belgian border. And uh, this Tuesday, the Tuesday of 5th September, has gone into the history books as Dolle Dinsdag, or Crazy Tuesday, because every uh, German, every German soldier, every collaborator was afraid that the Americans would reach the Netherlands the next day. Mm. Because it all went so fast that... Um, they thought they weren't safe. So that's the time when there actually was a sort of anarchy in Maastricht, but in most part of the country, actually. Mm. So the Germans were fleeing uh, with cars, with um, wooden carts, with horses on it, with uh, bikes. A lot of Dutch can tell you that the Germans stole their bikes uh, in order to get back to Germany because they were afraid of the uh, uh, Allied forces. Yeah. So this lasted until uh, the 13th of September, when the Americans reached Eisde. So that's the municipality uh, south of Maastricht. I don't know if, if you've ever been there. Lovely little village. And in Eisde, the, uh, they found one phone still working. So the Germans were fleeing, but of course they were having this kind of scorched earth method. Um, they blew up all the bridges in Maastricht. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the 
pictures of the um, old bridge, the Savetius Bridge in Maastricht that was uh, uh, sprang. Sprang? Do you say sprang? Sprang? Well, at least demolished by the uh, <laughs> uh, by the Germans. Yeah. Uh, with with lots of dynamite, and there was an Ardico bridge in Maastricht. That's mm -hmm. where the current Wilhelmina Brug is. Okay. So that's that's uh, well the second bridge. The, 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 that was demolished completely, wow. which was a beautiful bridge, mm. and of course the the, the rail uh, railway bridge was uh, uh, demolished. Yeah. Uh, but all telephone lines were cut, all electricity was cut. If they could sabotage the uh, the railways, they did it, and um, in this way they hoped to uh, slow down the uh, Allied forces. Yeah. So yeah, the, uh, in Aizen there was one phone. And when they, the Americans first liberated uh, Liège, uh, and uh, then they went along the news to Eisde, and then in Eisde somebody said, I'm going to call to Maastricht to see what it's like there. Yeah. And it turned out that the bridges of Maastricht were only guarded by uh, 150 men. Mm. And uh, even though it was rather late in the day, and they actually wanted to... Um, uh, head for uh, Aix-la-Chapelle, so uh, Aachen. Um, they turned and liberated Urbeek mm. on the 13th of September, so that's, that's the same day, and um, then it was late and it was getting dark. Of course, there, there was no light. There, there was a curfew and people still had to had their, all their uh, windows painted black mm. because you can use paper to prevent light from getting out, but they will always sneak some light now, if you paint all the windows black, then no light will go out. So it was too dark for the Americans to um, lay down a billy bridge, uh, which is a an, 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 uh, military bridge, mm. and uh, liberate Maastricht. So they did that the next day. And as far as I know, there was only one casualty, uh, which happened in uh, Café Victoria. That is where now the ANWB is, the ANWB store in Week. That was um, a beloved tavern of the uh, German soldiers, German officers. And there was a piano in there, and the Germans had placed a booby trap in the piano. Oh, nice. And uh, one American soldier who happened to play the yeah, we thought he'd cheer his friends up and wanted to play a tune, but died tragically. Yeah, that's horrible. And there's a memorial sign for him on the uh, on the building. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so that's the liberation of Maastricht. How long had Maastricht been occupied? Four years. Four years, wow. Four years, four months, and four days. Oh my goodness. Yes, that's a funny coincidence. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. That that so it's it's really because of of one working phone in Asda that they that the the Americans, the Americans freed uh, Maastricht, um, the old Hickory Division. Mm. So there there was really no there was no real fighting. No, yeah, that's really interesting. Because everybody was already gone, and uh, well, there's fifty to hundred soldiers, and there's the American army marching your way, so... Yeah, and I suppose it wasn't too far uh, to Germany for them to escape to, really, if that's where they were headed. Um, no, no, of course, Austria, of course. So not far to run away. Right, so you'd go to Aachen and then you'll, uh, you're already in Germany. Yeah. Or you'd go, you'd go up north where the, um, uh, I think especially the, uh, the NSBs. so the NSB is the... National Socialist Party of the Netherlands, which were, of course, collaborators with the Nazi regime. Okay, yeah, so was it very different in Maastricht from other places in the Netherlands, the liberation? 
Well, of course, uh, other cities in the Netherlands uh, sometimes had uh, awful fighting. Uh, in in uh, the middle of Limburg, just north of Sittard, if you want to build a house there, you'll have to uh, call a demolition team of the police before you do so. Because there are still grenades in the ground. And um, But of course, there are also other towns that had a story similar to Maastricht. Yeah. So, so it's it, in 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 Aachen there was um, a battle of nine weeks, mm. and the 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 town of Vals was was yeah yeah just 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 kaput for nine weeks. So that's 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 very close by, and um, Maastricht really got lucky. Yeah. So, how did life change in Maastricht after liberation? So uh, after the liberation. Um, Maastricht became the headquarters for quite some time for the American army uh, in here, uh, in, in West Europe. Um, and well, the most famous operation that was uh, uh, guided from, from Maastricht, how do you say that? Well, either way, uh, the most famous, uh, the, Maastricht ha- the Maastricht headquarters is, I think, most famous because of the, the Battle of the Bulge. In the Ardennes, which was the the last great offensive of of the German army, mm. the Ardennes were a very dense forest and, and not very great for getting your tanks through and your military and your right. army and everything you're 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 having with you. So the Germans thought, if we, the least we can try, the last thing we can try is to have an offense through this uh, great wood. And they did so, and uh, the Americans had some very serious casualties. And uh, during this time, Maastricht was headquarters of the um, American army in northwestern Europe. Mm. And what's what's even more strange for me is that there were Maastricht was a, was a place of uh, rest and recreation after the liberation. Mm. So uh, there were. Well, if you have an army, then of course all these soldiers sometimes need a little dancing and a little fun and a little drinking and a little <laughs> company of some girls. And um, Maastricht was the, the place for uh, many people in, in northwestern Europe uh, because the town was well really unharmed. There, there was there, there were some bombs that had been dropped by by English um, yeah. uh, flyers. Uh, how do you say bombs? Yeah, bombers. Bombers, yeah, by accident. But really, there was there was nothing going on in Maastricht. So it was a great city for um, well for the GI Joes to to have their relaxing time. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, only on the on the Freitags um, there were lots of lots of lots of uh, clubs for American soldiers, mm. like the Enlisted Men's Club. Okay. And the officers' donut dugout, mm. which was the the mummers now, oh. uh, and then a little further on you had the sugar bowl, and then next to the the theater, which by then was uh, a police station, they had officers' club number two. Then they had the uh, next to the Wilhelmina Brug there is an old uh, a bath actually, and that was called the old swimming hall. <laughs> Um, to which the soldiers had to take their own towel. There was, an, in week there was um, the Red Cross Enlisted Men's Club with writing, games and dancing, coffee and donuts. So it was really a, a jolly old time in uh, Maastricht. 
uh, right after the liberation. Uh, for the Americans, that is to say, because uh, Maastricht has one of the saddest uh, histories of collaborators and the, the way we treated our collaborators after liberation. Yeah. So can you explain what you mean by that? Why why was it such a sad history? So there's, there's always uh, people who, who collaborate with the Germans, um, either because they have the same sympathies yeah. or the same antipathies, or because they think they, uh, well, they are just opportunistic and they think, well, I'll, I'll just... Uh, ben on this horse now, that's not an English expression, is it? No, it is a Dutch one. Um, so there's, there's always these people. And then, of course, there's always those people who don't like those people. And in Maastricht, they uh, were arrested so many. But after the 5th of September, there was no more real uh, power in Maastricht. So there was the police and everybody was a little scared of what's, what was going to happen. Nobody really knew. I think you can compare it with, I think it was the 13th of March, when there, all of a sudden there was this corona lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> and what's this lockdown? And what do you mean lockdown? And can I go to my parents? And or can I go to my neighbor? Or what should yeah. it, you know, this, this, this strange feeling of, I really don't know what's going to happen. Mm. That was from, from the 5th of September to the 13th of September. Yeah. And of course, people hoped they would be liberated from from the Nazi regime. Yeah. And after the liberation, so just to to come back to that, um, many many people started to arrest their former suppressors uh, in, in the form of uh, these NSBers and other sympathizers of the Nazi regime. Mm-hmm. And they, in the first paper of Maastricht, which which came out on the fifteenth of September. Yeah. It stated that was it was not allowed to arrest anybody yourself. But of course, this this continued, and um, there was no real party that that kept any control of the, the situation. And like I said, it was, there, were, there was no supervision, no. and it was kind of anarchy. So, in the end, this this meant that you could arrest your neighbor, go to the police, and say, "This is my neighbor. He's a Nazi." Because I once asked him for some sugar and he didn't give it to me, and I knew he thought Heil Hitler. Yeah. And then this guy would be arrested and put in a, a, what's now the university library. Okay. That was the the military. Uh, well, it was just a military building, and it was used for for several things. But in, in the forties, it was a, a prison for political, um, you know, well, yeah, for, for Nazis. Yeah. Or for people who, who wanted, yeah, yeah. From quasi-Nazis. It, it even went so bad that they started to call it the concentration camp uh, of the Grote Lawyerstraat. And uh, there were many, many uh, bad things that happened. There were tortures. And somebody later said, well, there was no blood involved, which means a lot, I think, because you can do a lot without blood. Yeah. So yeah, and there were on the top of it there were fourteen hundred people in this building, and <laughs> there could only fit seven hundred people in the building. Oh my goodness! So they were uh, really, really, really uh, back together in there. Mm. Well, as as I've heard, awful things happen. But of course, these awful things also happened to um, other people in the years before. Yes, of course, and I'm sure that that helped drive the want to right. ha- exact revenge in some way Mm. that's always what people want i think yeah so when did the americans or the allied forces leave 
Maastricht then? I believe this was during 45, but I don't know exactly. I think that's also a very slow, slow procedure. You know that there's yeah. there's one battalion leaving, and then there's a second battalion leaving. You can see it, the American army still does the same. Uh, how long have they been retreating from Afghanistan? Yeah. And there were uh, American soldiers in, in Germany for a, for a long, long time, Western Germany. Yeah. So I don't know really when the, if you ask me, when did the last American leave Maastricht? Maybe this was in the 50s. And of course, Maastricht became a very important NATO base later on uh, in the mountain of, uh, in the St. Petersburg. Uh, ah, I don't live far from the the barracks, so that's really interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so there was this, this uh, red line, uh, I believe they call it, between Washington, D.C. and uh, Moscow. Mm. Yeah, between Washington DC and Moscow, and this this line actually crossed well through the air, of course, crossed uh, Maastricht, and okay. the, the the famous Televisitor of Alhof played played a played a, 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 an important role in this because that was the the um, but nobody knew in Maastricht back then. Yeah, that was really uh, you can you can visit the 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 old center, but the Americans have taken everything out of there. Uh-huh. so you can see you can see the walls, and you can see there was a machine here and there was a machine there, but. There, there's no idea what they actually did in there. Oh, a mystery. Very interesting mystery, yes. <laughs> was there any other details that you wanted to explore about the liberation? Well, I think it's it's very important to to be very thankful for um, the the very little damage that World War Two has done to Maastricht. Yeah. If you compare it to to other cities like Aachen, uh, which is so close. So we have been really, really lucky, and the Maastricht, uh, the inhabitants of Maastricht knew this. So in 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 Maastricht, there's the there's the Bitweg. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. No, I don't think so. Okay, that's the the the, the praying route of Maastricht, and um, it starts at the Onsdijkerkerk, uh, and then it goes a really a long way through the city. And um, after the war, people began to thank. Mary, the, the, the Virgin Mary, because she protected the city. And this is the idea of the Schutzmantel Madonna. So it's mm-hmm. the, the uh, Madonna with the, the that, that uh, keeps everything away. Yeah. And she protected the city. And there's lots of images of Mary along this Bitweg, which is very, very beautiful to walk. And I think the most interesting one is on the, the corner of the Kortestraat and the Koestraat. Mm. So that's, that's really near the Onsdijkerhoven Square. And there you can see Mary with her cape around four citizens of Maastricht. And then in the left corner, it says 1940 with a bomb. And in the right corner, it says 1944 with uh, a pigeon of peace. Oh, have to have a look. Yeah, you should. That, that, that's really very interesting history of, of the liberation, actually, because it's this, this thanking of the Virgin Mary and mostly because of the, well, this, the, the incredible luck they had. Yeah. Well, we were in our last episode, um, we were talking about uh, the amount of churches in Maastricht and one mm-hmm. reason why there seems like maybe there is a lot is that in some neighbouring places like Aachen, a lot of things were destroyed, whereas in Maastricht, yes. a lot of things survived. So there are so yeah. many old, beautiful old buildings and churches here that we can still enjoy because they survived the war, whereas places nearby and even in London and there are so there were so many beautiful things destroyed. 
Yeah, most certainly. And of course, the Netherlands never had the first world war, which was uh, far more devastating for uh, buildings than the second world war. Yeah. Um, during the first world war, the uh, the muse colored red because of all the people that were killed in the age. And uh, if you walk around in Liège, and I, I, I love the city, I think it's, it's Maastricht's uh, older sister, or better, bigger sister. But uh, the First World War really, really, really destroyed the city. And, and of course, uh, the city of Leuven, which had this, its uh, library destroyed. And then um, about three quarters of the city just burned down to the ground. Mm. So it's really a combination of, of not having the First World War and not having the Second World War. Yeah, it's amazing. That, um, yeah, it is. That it survived. I think, uh, especially, I've said this before on the podcast, but from a, an, as an Australian, to walk around and see medieval buildings or even buildings from the 17th, 18th century is just amazing to me. Um, as my, my own experience in Australia is, obviously, we have the oldest uh, continuous... Um, culture in the world but we also have mm-hmm. quite new built uh, society so it's amazing to me seeing all these beautiful old buildings that us that have survived so long yeah right I can see that yeah but you know the 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 the, the Dutch story of the war is, is not really comparable with the, with the Maastricht story because of the the Hongo winter uh, I don't know if you know that no, I, I haven't heard. So in the um, the Americans, uh, the, the Allied forces actually wanted to cross the uh, great rivers of the Netherlands mm. to the north and then go straight to uh, Berlin. But they failed. They went a bridge too far uh, by Arnhem, if you've ever heard that um, expression. So they, they wanted to take the city of Arnhem, which is just above the uh, River Rhine. Um, but they failed to do this. And... Uh, then they thought, well, then let's change our plans and not liberate the northern half of the Netherlands. And in that northern half of the Netherlands, there was a, well, there, there was a very severe wrinkle, but what, there was also no food or very little mm. food, mostly in cities. So people had to eat. Well, that's the story that everybody loves to tell: tulip bulbs <laughs> and, oh. and cat. So um, let's call it the the hunger winter. Yeah, and wh- why was that? Was that just? Uh, lack of trading and things because of the war or yeah lack of trading and of course the Germans had taken everything with them okay so, so they were the pulling Germans back left. out of the Netherlands and yeah. um, they took everything with them yeah it must have been a very strange time between as you said like a very confusing time between when the Germans were right. leaving and when the when they were actually liberated right but I also don't think that um, people really care that much Um, because even when there is a crisis going on it's always these small personal crises that are somehow way more important like how about this girl I like or (laughs) um, my dog is dying or something like that that's always what occupies your mind the most yeah no of course and then there's this confusing thing going on but it's above your head for, for most people at least yeah I think um, you can, as you have, you did before. I think you can relate that to, to now with its people, are much more able to, um, I guess, comprehend and digest issues mm. on a very small scale. But whereas, like, I can't go to the shops or I can't 
go to work anymore rather than right. the whole world is in a state of flux. Right, right. So we, we can't grasp that. So it's uh, much more easier and, and far more important to get food. Yeah. And that that's also uh, one of the, the reasons of the, of the hunger winter. Mm. Everything was on, um, how do you say that, on, on, on the bone. Um, so you had to get a, a, like a ticket okay, yeah. for bread, like a receipt, like a voucher. Yeah. To get bread, to get butter, to get new shoes, to get everything. Everything was uh, limited. Yeah. So the first thing that the new forces had to do, which were uh, newly installed Dutch people, was trying to get this up and running again, just trying to print vouchers, and they had to print in the newspaper what what uh, uh, what butter you could get and how much uh, it took you to to get a new pair of shoes. And until deep in the fifties, you could only get shoes with this voucher. Yeah, that's amazing. So that's really the 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 long the long term consequences of uh, of the war. Yeah, I know. Just on the shoes, I um. My grandfather's brother, in so they were in Scotland, but they had mm-hmm. rationing and the ticket system. And yeah. I know that um, his brother had tiny feet. He had very small feet and he had to get shoes specially made. And so in he and my grandfather remembers in a similar time in Scotland that his, they saved them up and they used them to buy special shoes for for David because he needed them. So I think that sort of um, resonates with me in my mind. Just Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And it's all these kind of the very small histories that, that make up this uh, late 40s. Yeah. And, and, and well, the 40s as a whole in, in uh, Europe. Yeah. It was a time of scarcity. But this started in, 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 in 29, of course, with the crash on Wall Street. Mm. And I remember my, my grandfather is 94, and I talk to him a lot. Mm. And he always says, we already had a bad life before the war started. Yeah, There was no money, there was no food, there was no work. So when the war started, it was just, well, we can have that too. Yeah, it's like, of course, it's just... Of course, of course, life, war life starting, just gets, yeah. gets worse, so of course it does. Worse and worse and worse, yeah. Yeah. And then it started getting better in the 50s, the welfare state. Yeah. So does does your grandfather sort of recognize that that there was an improvement after the war? Then they were on the up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he doesn't lay this uh, improvement in, in the war or in the liberation. He really focuses on the welfare state. Yeah. Because he also had to go to uh, uh, Indonesia. Okay. Um, to fight against the the Indonesians. Right. And so so Indonesia was a was a colony of uh, the Netherlands. Yeah. And well, they they liberated themselves uh, from the Japanese, mm-hmm. and um, then they declared independence. And then the Dutch did not want their independence and sent some soldiers. And my f- grandfather was one of them. Wow! So he was in Indonesia for four years right after the war. Yeah. So it's the liberation wasn't necessarily a liberation for very long or for everyone. No, no, no. Mm. But um, I think that you can say that the liberation did make us more aware of um, its value and of the, the dangers of um, fascism. Thank you so much for listening to part one of our Remembrance and Liberation Day special with Use. Part two will be coming out very shortly, so make sure to keep our ears peeled for that and have a lovely Remembrance Day.
Thank you so much for joining us today and don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook by searching Meet Maastricht and on Instagram at at meet underscore Maastricht. If you would like to learn more about us, you can also visit our website at meetmaastricht.eu where you can buy tickets and subscribe to our monthly newsletter so you're always up to date. Thanks again and tune in next time to learn more about our beautiful city. Tot ziens.